This episode of Innovation Heroes is brought to you by Lenovo Intelligent Computing. Learn more at shi.com slash Lenovo. The passion projects that we've done in my organization are now outpacing our chartered projects in terms of revenue return. And so it, it does work to lead with values <laughs> and, and you can make money. It's an and statement. The, the primary motivator needs to be impact. Welcome to SHI's Innovation Heroes, a podcast exploring the people and businesses making a difference in our constantly disrupted world. I'm your host, Ed McNamara. I don't know about you, but I'm really, really tired of talking about the pandemic. And I'm not being flippant here. The fatigue we're all feeling is a real issue. And I know I'm not alone. One recent report found that instances of depression symptoms were threefold higher in the last year as compared to a pre-pandemic survey. From the front lines to our home offices, we're feeling the impact, and we will be for a long time. So I just think that, in the meantime, at least, something's got to give. We've seen some amazing stories come from the pandemic. People coming together, supercharging innovative tech to meet needs, and saving lives in the process. Those stories absolutely deserve our attention because they're the bright lights that have guided us through these dark times. In fact, our guest today has been one of those people. Intel's Stacy Shulman, who is Vice President Internet of Things Group and GM of Health, Life Sciences and Emerging Technologies. When Stacy was on last season, she shared how Intel was helping to revolutionize the healthcare system to bring better, more efficient technology to help patients and workers alike. But we're not here today just to talk about healthcare innovation. Today, I want to talk about something that seems to have fallen by the wayside, the wonder, passion, and excitement that's been missing from our tech lives and experiences. More than anything, I want to talk about something fun. And if there's something we know about Stacy from her last two appearances on the show, She's always working on something amazing and something fun. Stacey, we are so thrilled to have you back on the show for a record third time. Thank you very much for making time for us once again. Yeah, I, I love talking to you guys. I love the show. Um, I, I will always come back as long as you'll have me. <laughs> it's very easy for us to have you back because you always give us any number of different topics to choose from. So I'm sure just having that that kind of variety keeps your work interesting. Oh, yeah. It's never a dull day. I mean, ever. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. So when you were on Innovation Heroes last season, uh, you talked about um, how we've been using cool tech innovations to save lives. So um, just continuing along that thread, um, at least initially, you know, um, what impact did the pandemic have on, on the way you do your job? I mean, the pandemic has really forced me, along with most of the people I work with, to take inventory of what's really important to us. I think that that's probably the biggest topic. You know, I'd like to say that there's been, you know, technical impacts, but realistically, we had to take inventory of what's important to us. We, we have to look at what drives us. Where do we want to spend our time and efforts? And, you know, and I'm seeing that with with people all over the place wrestling with this in, in, in every industry, really. And we're seeing this great exit. And I think part of that is because people are sitting back and saying, you know, what do I want to do? And so as I did that, you know, what what I had to really kind of come to grips with is um, the areas that I'm working on. I want those to be areas that have impact 
And I want to explore areas that allow me that, you know, that, that push me into a deeper conviction about how important those things are, you know, for greater kind of greater humanity, I guess. And then the other thing that it, it made me do is, is start exploring that with my team and asking them, what's important to you? What are you passionate about? And, and really pushing them towards that. And I've always had a team where we, we talk about passion projects and working on passion projects. But I think my, my conviction got deeper on this topic. And, 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 and I'm pushing people more on, you know, let's, let's get you connected with the things that you're really passionate about and the things that, you know, that inspire you and that it will inspire your work. So let's take the things you like and then let's make sure your work is connected to that. Do you think some people are looking for the quote unquote right answer or, or, and, and, and maybe they don't have it or, or, or they just simply don't know? You know, I wonder if it's just that people don't really think about this question often, or they think that, you know, passion means, you know, it means something to them in different ways. It could mean that, okay, those are purpose driven people. I'm not a purpose driven person. And so I, you know, it doesn't really apply to me. And I've had to go back to people and say, stop constraining yourself. You can be passionate even about volunteering in your kid's classroom. That, that's an okay passion to have. Um, the, the criteria would be once you def- identify what you're passionate about, the follow-on question is how can we help you go make an impact in that area? And so the, the intent is to get them deeper into that side of things versus you know, just try to get in touch with themselves. But, but it does start with getting in touch with yourself in that way. So it, whether it's, you know, passion projects or, or work, you know, what were some of your highlights of, of, of the last year, perhaps since the, the last time you were on uh, Innovation Heroes? There have been a lot of really good ones that have come up, um, which for the record makes it tougher for some other people because they're like, oh, my gosh, that's such a good one. That's that's happening over there with that person. I can't possibly compete. Passion doesn't have to be competitive, right? <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I have lots of uh, lots of favorites, but I'll say the one that that has me the most fascinated right now is a project we call the next 50. And that project started out as a passion project for someone in the team who was really passionate about um, connecting the 50% of the world that's not connected today. And as we started looking through that, we we realized that we had it framed wrong. Uh, we had it. We, we had an assumption that that people would connect to the internet if they had the opportunity to connect to the internet, and we thought 50% of the world didn't have the opportunity. When we started really looking at it, there's you know most people in the world actually have the capability to connect, but they're still not. There's you know a good 50% of the population not connecting, and so we reframed it into participation. And how do you get the 50% of the world not participating today in any way, you know, in the digital, you know, the digital world, how do you get them participating? And you have to really go and have, you know, look at, well, what's important for them. You know, it's through apps, it's through, you know, giving them things that matter. You know, it's not going to be through social media for a lot of people. It's not a draw. But something like, you know, in the remote areas of Africa, knowing what your raw materials prices are or the price of maize um, at any given point is a real driver. And, And quite honestly, no matter where you are in the world, sports scores still seem to be a real driver for people connecting to the Internet. And so we have to go and look at those things and um, identify ways to do that. And then you've got a cost issue. So there's some people who, you know, they may be able to connect, they may really want to participate, but data is very expensive. 
in rural communities, even in the U.S. and, and other places. You know, if you can get access, um, data is expensive. And so we're working on um, programs around how do you get data that's that's really needed um, and cache it at the edge on the telephone pole um, and not charge for that. So as an example, health-related information, um, you know, safety-related information, education content, if you can pre-cache that at the telephone pole and anybody that's near that can access that data for free, well, then you get them participating and, and educated on, on that, and then they can selectively um, consume content in other ways. So that, that's a project that we're working on where we're seeing that it's, it's scaling in um, indigenous areas in, in both the U.S. and abroad. And um, we're also looking at, you know, cities and rural communities and even some urban communities that don't have access. So that's, that's the one that, that's been the most fascinating lately. Aside from from next fifty, is there is there another uh, another highlight that might come to mind? Well, so I'll say one of the things that we're really I, I've been thinking about more and more lately is um, this topic around how do we bring fun back into the equation. Mm. Um, and so that I'd say that's an area that I'm kind of exploring, and, and we're doing some thought experiments around that. I went and um, went to a friend's. Uh, party really. And it was a party in this place called Area 15. And, and it's a project. Area 15 is a, a partnership and a project we'd been working on at Intel for a little while. Um, so they're an experience center in Las Vegas. Um, and so I visited there, spent a couple days just walking through what that experience looked like. And, and it reminded me that, you know, technology can be used to do fun things. <laughs> and, um, and, and we need to bring fun and playfulness back into to our world right now. And, and we're looking at different verticals in, in remembering some of the things that we started working on prior to the pandemic, which we were exploring things around experiential topics. You know, how do you bring um, artists and architects and creative people together with tech people to make things that are that are fun and delightful and experiential. And so that kind of came came back to me this year of we got to do that again. We got to get back into that. Yeah. And I, I think you might be, you know, right at the, uh, the the right time for that. I was I was as, as a baseball fan, I was I was looking at some attendance numbers and somebody had gone back 100 years ago after the, the the Spanish flu and checked baseball attendance figures. And and, you know, everybody credits Babe Ruth with the big rise of, 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 you know, the roaring 20s and baseball there. But it actually was all this pent up demand that uh, the attendance figures just went through the roof once people felt like it was, you know, time to get back out there and and spend some of the some of the money that was in their pocket. So when you said experiential, that was the first thing that I thought of. I mean, there this is really the right time for people. You just really want to get back out there and, and have fun in a you know in a in, in a different environment from where they've been, right? Yeah, I think we're ready for a change. You know, we've all been, I'd say, mostly homebound, um, or you know, we've we've narrowed the people that we're around on a regular basis, and and there's a lot of serious things going on right now that that we're facing as a society. And so, you know, we need to be serious about things and we can also have fun. And I think that's the reminder. Um, (laughs) and yeah, I mean, there is pent up demand. I I do think that we're going to see people just really like go all out when, when they feel safe to do so again, you know, And, and some people are out there now going to concerts and, you know, some people feel safe right now. And I think that's great, but it'll be, 
it'll be even better when uh, more people feel that way. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And I think, you know, we don't have to wait for that. I think we need to start having these discussions now on, you know, how do we bring fun back into our teams, back into our environments, back into our, our roles, the things that we're doing. Um, it's, it's time. This episode of Innovation Heroes is brought to you by Lenovo Intelligent Computing. Learn more at shi.com slash Lenovo. There's been a lot of heavy lifting in all sectors recently, especially in healthcare. But thanks to a steady stream of technology breakthroughs, artificial intelligence is enabling a fundamental shift in the way healthcare is delivered. But as AI crunches through data, turning it into meaningful information, it needs an increasing amount of powerful computer resources in order to function properly. Lenovo workstations are engineered from the ground up, not just to meet, but exceed the rigorous computing requirements of today's most demanding machine learning and AI workloads. And when the Lenovo ThinkStation is combined with the Lenovo Intelligent Computing Software Platform, you're able to scale your AI workflow into a number of high-performance workstations or HPC cluster servers. Advances in AI are helping save lives and unlocking boundless creativity across industries. But our tech needs to keep up in order for us to reach our greatest potential. Learn more about Lenovo Intelligent Computing by visiting shi.com slash Lenovo. Clearly, Stacy believes in bringing back wonder and inspiration into what we're doing. And I'll bet our hiring managers love her for it. But how the heck can we all do that? Really thinking about how to affect positive change is the first step. But even further, how do we give people permission to explore the limits of their own creativity in the workspace? Do you have some other examples of tech that kind of puts puts fun first? I wouldn't say I have an example of tech that puts fun first. I I, I would say I have I'm an example of how people have been successful and using tech to help their fun experiences. I'll use Area 15 as an example again, because it's pretty fresh for me. Um, one of the experiences they have is an is a experience called Meow Wolf. It's a, it's a company, it's a collection of artists. And when you walk into this, into Meow Wolf at Area 15, what you see is what looks like a very stale, old-fashioned kind of big box store. You know, you got the metal shelves, you've got all the stuff on the shelves, people wearing the blue aprons, you've got all of that. But when you take a closer look at the things on the shelf, they're they're just qu- not quite right. It's a little off. And as you start really looking at it closer, it, it's there's a lot of humor in it. Um, and then when you kind of go to the back room to the meat counter, if you go behind the meat counter, you walk through the freezer and you go into kind of this whole other world that's like... I don't know, old school dime store meets Alice in Wonderland is probably the way I would explain it. Um, And then there's this whole like discovery and search and wonder in the back part of that store. And it is a real shopping experience. There are things to buy um, in that experience and through that experience. Um, But what a way to deliver it. It, We spent probably two hours just exploring. There's slides, you know, you can, you can, as an adult, go down slides and you watch, you know, grown adults just having the time of their life sliding in public, basically. Um, And so things like that, I, I, 
that would be one experience. There was a lot of technology in there. There, there was RFID technology in there. There was, I mean, they actually, as part of their experience, showed their server room. So, you know, there's lots of tech that was involved, but you really didn't see the tech unless they did it as kind of a gimmick. And again, lots of tech. There was, you know, um, holograms and, you know, all kinds of different tech that, that was involved. And they did it in a way that was actually intentionally gimmicky. So it was, it was funny. Um, but that would be an, ex an example of somebody who designed the experience they wanted to have. And then they leveraged the technology to bring that experience to life. Do you have an example of how, you know, some, some fun factors can come into, um, you know, treating patients in, in hospitals or in the medical field? Yeah. So we, we, we're talking to a, a number of hospitals now that are testing VR in a couple different ways that I've seen. One is um, patients who are, you know, pain management. One of the ways to manage pain is to distract it. And, you know, you can use VR and gaming and, and things like that to kind of transport again, somebody into another space. And that alone it creates, that sense of wonder creates solutions for people that are dealing with pain and whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, it's really helpful for them. So we're seeing it there um, with veterans. There, there was a lot that was being used for veterans to, to kind of re rehabilitate veterans um, from some of the things that they'd seen. Um, and then other, you know, even with children, um, lots in the children's space to kind of keep them playful. You know, when, it, when a child's in a hospital, their environment needs to look different and they, they need that chance to play. But, you know, if you're if you're in your bed and you're you're you're, you know, can't move around beyond the bed, you need a way to, to let somebody play that kind of transports them again into another space. So VR has been a really good um, solution for that. And we're seeing that get adopted more and more. It was being tested to see if it had an impact. And, and there's been um, lots of good tests that have come back showing that it has a positive impact on um, patient recovery and pain management. And then there's another one that we saw where, you know, one hospital system, they have an older patient that you know, it's intimidating to walk into a hospital and find your way somewhere, especially on these big research hospital campuses. And so one of the things that they were exploring is, can you send a robotic buddy and have a, somebody on the other side talking to them about, you know, what, what procedure they're getting or, you know, talking them, just asking them questions and putting them at ease. And so that those are some other things that, that I'm seeing get explored in this space. In terms of it being really a tough year and, and maybe calling some attention to, to the, you know, the mental health side of things, like how do we, how can we engage tech to, to help people recover? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot. There's somebody else in my team, his passion project is really around um, dealing with um, mental health for soldiers. And um, in the issues in Af Afghanistan have really brought that front and center for a lot of our um, former military. And so it's something that we've been talking about quite a bit is, well, one, how do you, how do we start dealing with the mental health crisis that's going on? You've, you have people who've been sitting there, you know, in, in their homes, probably the most connected they've ever been and yet the most isolated they've ever been in their lives. So from their vantage point, they see other people having fun and doing things, you know, if they're reading social media, um, yet they are sitting there alone. And, you know, we have this crisis that's happening. Um, so we've been thinking a lot about how do you get people 
um, connected in a more meaningful way again so that they're not isolated? How do you bring them together? And, and yeah, while, while VR is, is um, an area, we, we also think there are other ways to do it. Um, we're, we're talking to a company as an example that is creating, I wouldn't say VR spaces, but spaces where people can come in, not with an avatar, but they're a dot on a map. But the closer they move together on the map, the louder they hear each other, the further they move apart, the, the less they hear each other. And it was interesting because you could actually go work a room. You can you can walk kind of quote unquote, walk through a room by moving your dot through the room. And you see a group of people that, you know, talking over in a corner, you can walk over to them, you know, move your dot over to them and you can hear them and you can join the conversation or you, you want to disengage from the conversation, go to another group. You can move over to another group, even things like that. When we've tried it out with, with teams has been very, I mean, it's just such a different experience in zoom for starters. Um, where you, you go into one, you click hang up and dial into another, another Zoom. This one, you, you get a freedom to move around. So things like that even can make people feel more connected to the people around them. There's a role to be played by the tech industry on the, on the whole here. Um, you know, what kind of changes do we need to see people get the support that, frankly, we all deserve? Yeah, I don't know that I have a, a mature, well thought out thought here. So you're kind of hearing it early. Um I'll say the way that I'm thinking of is there's a couple things. One, we first we need to start having the discussion in our teams and, and asking each other, hey, how do we bring fun back into the the things that we do? How do we design delightful experiences into the products that we build? And sometimes it's as simple as a question of how can we make that product really beautiful? Um it's, it's fun. It's, it's honestly, you know, it's delightful to, to get something new that is just so beautifully designed. It was why we all liked the iPhone when we first got one. It was just so elegant in its design and, and so great. And everything was so simple. And it, it really had you in mind and the way that you would use it in mind. So, so I think that, you know, again, we need to come back to some of these topics of what does that look like in the products that we build, whether it's a software product or a hardware product you hold in your hand, how can we make sure that we're, we're really thinking about the people that are using it and asking how can we make that experience for them really great and elevating that? So I think it starts there. And then, um, you know, I also think that the tech industry, we need to we need to start having these discussions wider. We have a lot of influence on the way that people use products. We have a lot of influence on where we put our priorities on the, the problems we want to solve out there as well. And so I, I think we have to prioritize this, this problem, um, which we never thought of fun as a problem before, but, but the lack of fun is a problem and I think it should be prioritized. And, you know, I, I, I know that there's going to be people hearing this that might roll their eyes at it, but I honestly believe that we have to start prioritizing, building in fun and, you know, encouraging and positive experiences into things that we do and to the teams that we lead. And if they're rolling their eyes, they are not fun, clearly. So yeah, they need, they need to work on it the most. So all those eye rollers, they need to go in and they need to take a little inventory on where their passions lie <laughs> and uh, start thinking about that for themselves. First step, lighten up. Second step, <laughs> what is your passion? And, and let's, let's, let's start pursuing it. <laughs> yeah. Go make some impact. There yeah. you go. Um, so uh, what is your dream application for the future of this kind of fun first, you know, innovative, you know, tech? Um, I, I would love to see more 
of artists and creatives and people who understand human behavior get more involved in tech and get more involved in influencing our technology and the way that we bring technology to life. I, I, I believe that we will build better products and, and people will be happier with how they use those products. And so that, that would be my dream is we really need the creative industry and the tech industry to, to collaborate more often. And I mean, the artists, um, you know, artists know how to evoke emotions out of us. Um, and you know, th that is kind of what we need to be built into our products as well. So that sense of wonder is really kind of what I'm looking for in, in the products that we put out and the, the ways that we solve problems. Stacy, I want to thank you again for your time today. I know this is your your third appearance on Innovation Heroes. Um, thank you so much for joining us again, um, and and I really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for having me, and and again, happy to come back anytime. It seems like we need to consider fun as more than just a weekend word. It needs to be woven into our day to day lives, and Stacy is really inspiring me to reevaluate how I can integrate passion into my own work and those who live and work around me, and how to make the biggest impact doing it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Innovation Heroes. I hope you had as much fun as I did. Next time on the podcast, we're speaking to Dr. Frauke Zeller and Lauren Dwyer from X University, two experts who are helping to break ground in the new and exciting field of social robotics. What makes a robot social, you ask? Tune in to our next episode in two weeks to find out. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider being our hero. Smash that like and subscribe button to Innovation Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Innovation Heroes is a Pilgrim content production in collaboration with SHI. Our producers are Tobin Dalrymple and Jessica Schmidt, with production assistance from Carmi Levy, Ronnie Lattimore, and Jane Norman. I'm your host, Ed McNamara, and I'll be back with another amazing story in two weeks. This episode of Innovation Heroes has been brought to you by Lenovo Intelligent Computing. Get scaling today. Visit shi.com slash Lenovo.